This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Okay, tonight's going to be um, a little different. Different's good, right? Yeah. Um, I guess lights up, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we want to see you guys, right? We don't just want you to see us. Um, we are still continuing um, the life of a worshiper. We're delving deeper and deeper each week. Um, so this week, I have Alex Fernando with me. Most of you know him. Um, he's a son of this house. Yeah, yeah. Give props where they're due. Um, he's a son of this house. He's my son. He's a son of God that is a worshiper. And um, so I've asked him to come in. He hasn't been able to be with us lately, new job, um, but he's able to be with us tonight. So we're going to chat. And um, if you saw the video um, of our phone call, we're going to continue to chat our hearts in worship. And um, I encourage you, open your heart, not just to the things we say, the scriptures that we share, but to the spirit of our hearts to, to stir you because you all you're worshipers as well. You know, we've talked about that the past couple of weeks. And, and you have hearts that you're learning and you're exploring. And so that's kind of what Alex and I want to do tonight. Um, and then he's got some things on his heart that might transpire after we chat. So we'll see where it all goes. Um, but let's pray real quick because we're, we're having encounters with God and with one another in the midst of the move of the Spirit. And so we want to just yield our hearts together. Father, we honor you tonight. We honor you. We reverence you, Lord Jesus. And our hearts simply want to release to you an expression through our lives that is due to you. As our Savior, as our Father, as our God, um, we want honor and an expression of worship that will be unique to each one of us to be released in this earth like never before. And so we enter together tonight, just, not just Alex and I, but every man and woman in this room. We enter into what you would have for all of us, individually, but also corporately together. We know that things will happen. So we love you, God, and here we go. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, just so that you understand, when we do... Um, when we do these chats, these um, discussions, they're not scripted. Like, we've chatted about how we'll let our hearts go. We've chatted on a couple of things that would be points. But it's not scripted because what we want is um, we want God to be able to move. Not just in us and through us, but in y'all's hearts. And so... What we're doing and sharing in these kind of chat discussions is when we, and I encourage you, if you don't get together with friends, with family, with community, with groups, and talk about your beliefs and your faith and and such, how can we grow together? You know, it's so important to grow together, not just to grow on our own personal path, but to put our paths together. Because God is doing something. He says we're a family. He says his kids are a family. And so... I think we're even learning, how do you manifest family? Not how do we manifest church. I've told you all, I love church. I love gathering. But that's not what we want to manifest out there. A lot of the world just has no understanding of what we're even talking about. 
most of the time. So that's some of where we want to explore um, worship, our hearts as worshipers. Y'all with us? Yeah. Okay, and so I... I if I could say something mm, about that. Absolutely. I think, <laughs> I just think that's beautiful because um, there, there's... I, I've, I'm not a dad, but at the same time, I've heard... Uh, so y'all dads can tell me or moms can tell me I'm wrong. But kids learn more from what you do versus what you say. Right? So if, if, all, if all we experience in church is one very knowledgeable person that knows everything, there becomes this, this mindset. But having this is not, not uh, like, oh, we don't know if we have enough to say by ourselves. This is actually an example, a modeling of the conversation that actually spurs on the spirit in each of us and actually you know, brings faithful wounds of a friend or um, iron sharpening iron. So it should really spur us on not just to be like, okay, these are two people that are saying something about worship, but it's also an example of how we're supposed to live. So I just wanted to say that so that we could, you're going to, just like Pastor Kathy was just saying, you should be having also your conversations about worship that that spur you on that probably neither of us have ever said before. You know, because there Mm -hmm. is no junior Holy Spirit. There is no, uh, God's not a grandfather. (laughs) Right? Pastor Gavin was talking about um, uh, like the mindset of a grand grandparent versus a parent, and and how a parent thinks and how you know thinks about all these disciplines and a, and a grandparent. Well, God's not a grandparent; He has no grandchildren, yeah. only children. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. I like that. Uh, and you know, some of the friends that you have, some of the relationships you have are it's so divinely set up. Um, you know, we've talked about this, but even the first night that I met Alex was in worship in the um, training center when this school was a tuition-based school. Um, and just like that, it was like God showed me a picture. And it's like when a baby's born and the parents are like, okay, this is my baby. And the baby doesn't understand in their brain, but they're looking, this is mom and dad. There's relational things that start happening and there's strategic things in our relationships that if you begin to look at, you know, your relationship with your mate, with your friends, the church that you're in, if you're not from this church, there's so many things that are strategic. And if we look past trying to understand them with our brain and let our heart begin to speak to us, let God speak to our hearts and then our hearts speak to us that these are divine connections. Because the worship aspect, even as you have your discussions, you may not use the word worship in how you're talking about your life's expression, but that's what your life's expression is. Right. It's worship. You know? So I, I think even that we're going to debunk some of, you know, names and stuff. Like the past two weeks where I've been introing, I've been saying, you know, we often just define worship as the praise and worship service that we come to, but worship is happening, unfolding in our hearts and out of our lives, every moment of every day, as God is lovingly, as a father, teaching us and guiding us and, and nurturing us and, yes, correcting us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important. So I want to start, and whatever, I've told Alex this, but so that you'll know what I've said to him, 
anything I say that spurs something in him, he can go anywhere he wants to go because I, I know this guy. So I'm not like sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, what is he going to say? You know, I know he'll give you his heart and I trust his heart. So, um, so even that, you know, practice trusting, practice trusting people. Um, I'm not saying just go out there and give everybody your life secrets, but you know, there's, there's a lot of times where we don't realize that we have to sow trust if people are going to trust us back. I mean, God entrusted us with his entire being, his spirit living inside of us. Talk about faith. <laughs> kind of crazy, right? Okay, so I want to start with John 17, 3. Because eternal life is knowing God. You know, the whole aspect of our hearts releasing in worship we release more and more because we know God. We trust God. We get transparent, vulnerable, open-hearted, free because we know God. Okay? You guys with me? So here's John seventeen three from the Passion Translation. You know, I kind of grew up with the Passion Translation. Though I love New King James. If I'm studying, I'm usually using New King James. Um, but here it is. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. And to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son whom you've sent. You see, this is, this is what releases an expression in the earth that is captivating to people that don't even know God. When we know him and we begin to share and release the way that we know him. Not just we, we know the Bible or we know chapters and verses or we know about our covenant or we know the promises of God. But we know God. Hmm. You know, you might be sitting here tonight and think you don't know God. Yeah, you do. If something is coming at you right now trying to make you think you don't know God at all, guess who that is? That's not God. <laughs> That's not God. It's just sometimes, and I've said this in the past couple of weeks, probably the past couple of years, sometimes we think we don't know God because we're thinking what's happening on the inside of us is just us. Guess where he lives. Yeah. <laughs> you might be so one with him that your yeah. thoughts are his thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, you can go wherever you want. Because <laughs> I can see bubbles over there. I'm like, I don't, I don't. Bubbles, yeah. Um, I, well, I'm reminded of John 4. And just, Katie, do you have scriptures? Uh, John 4, 24, were you saying? Oh, and... Uh, can we give a hand to Katie Yum? Yes. Her first time doing words. Okay. I'm so glad you're here. We're thankful. Yes, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but um, John 4:24 essentially said, like talks about um, God is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. But did I quote that correctly? No, I didn't. Um, the first three words are actually God is spirit. So why is that important? Because the same word that's used in God is spirit, John four twenty four. Um, the same word that's used when God is spirit is. <laughs> what is it then? What is it? It is. It is. Okay. It is. She said, "Just haven't entered it." Oh, okay. okay. So, okay. So it was authored. We're just waiting on, you know. 
We told John you was to write be it. Long and right um, off the cuff. <laughs> it's been authored. Just we need writers. Um, so, anyways, God is spirit, and God is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. Both of those words, spirit, are the same root word. So, isn't it interesting that? Okay, so that word spirit is pneuma. It means wind. It means breath. It means spirit with a lowercase s and spirit with an uppercase s. So if you break down breath, so it speaks of life, your very being, and then if you break down wind, what is wind? The, the movement of air. It's the movement from one pressurized atmosphere to another. So if you're experiencing wind, air is just looking for a less pressurized situation. So if you're experiencing wind even in this moment, I think of it as his creative expression. That when he's breathing, when you're experiencing wind, it's actually, yes, God's spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So spirit... That word spirit, um, so lowercase spirit, would speak of the material that we are, right? You are a spirit who has a soul, who lives in a body, right? And then capital spirit, God, who you're one with. So you must worship in spirit and in truth. Now that word truth is also the same word that's used in I am the way... I am the truth, and I am the life. So essentially, we're talking about Holy Spirit and Jesus. So even there, God is, Jesus is telling us, worship begins and ends with God. So our worship should always be a response to who he is. So kind of bringing it back to what you were saying. Knowing him is eternal life. It's worth exploring who God is to be a worshiper. Now, I guess part of my question would be, who in here is a worshiper? Show of hands. Got some. Maybe all. Would we say all? <laughs> So, I want to affirm that. The answer is absolutely yes. Um, but if we look at 1 Peter 2.9, um, it says, For you are a chosen generation. Now, that makes me curious because Peter was writing this 2,000 years ago. And we typically think of generations as 40 years, right? So is this excluding you or is this including you? Including you. So what is, this, what is he actually saying? That word generation, and it's actually, this is true, this is parallel also in the Greek and in the Hebrew, that word generation more commonly is translated as family, as offspring, as household. 
Same, same parallel to um, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And guess what that word serve is? It's also translated worship. So take that as for, as for me and, and you can parallel generation as for me and my generation. We will worship the Lord. And, you know, why in the world would we be doing this? Because this room is in agreement that as for us and our generation, as for Northern Virginia, as for this house, we will worship God. As for so. Mm -hmm. And so, but you are a chosen generation. So you are a chosen family. So God is essentially starting this with you're the family that he's always longed for. Worship is just a product of family. God doesn't need, I've said this so many times, but like God doesn't need your worship. Not only does he not need your worship, he's the last one that could possibly ever need your worship. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Son speaks of a, of a spirit that's to come that is a gift and a promise that he says it's better for me, for you, that I leave so that this spirit can come. So there is a glorification of each other which is the culture of family. Glory and worship is the culture of family. And so if he created you, so if we keep reading, we could go forever on this, but a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what were you chosen for? To proclaim the praises. To proclaim that word. I looked it up. It, it means to publicly announce. So even the challenge, even the invitation into expressing our adoration and our glory towards him and allowing it to be a full more than a full body experience, a full self experience. Your worship should be everything you are. Um, so, yeah, that just started wrecking me. I don't know if you want to say something. <laughs> I was going somewhere, but, yeah. Yeah, I want to go back to you when you spoke of um, the wind and that worship begins and ends with God. And um, if you go back all the way to the beginning, when God had formed man, had formed Adam, and then breathed Ruah into him, he animated him. There was not life. There was not expression. There was no movement until God breathed into Adam. And Adam wasn't his name like, my name's Kathy, this is Alex, this is Matt. Adam is the word for 
the entire human race, mankind. So, and we know that he breathed the breath of lives. He breathed plurality. He breathed um, increase into Adam, which means worship started right there. Yeah. Right there. There were no musicians yet, and yet music was heard everywhere. If, if you, you know, scientists say that um, out into the universes there is music, there is an expression of a melodic sound, and all of that is the product of the wind, the ruah, the spirit of God. So, you know, even in, in looking at that, the, the worship started right there. The man was animated, filled with the very spirit that would release him in his creative impetus to use all of his creative power as an expression of the goodness and love of God. And yet he's not, you know, he wasn't, okay, you can laugh at this one. Adam wasn't raised in church. To think that you had to have some musicians on a Sunday morning and stand and raise your hands. I'm sure that Adam was exuding a love and an appreciation and a camaraderie and a cooperation with God. All, all the way back then, there was an expression through a life of the goodness of God because they were united. So I want to I want to bounce from that to um, you had said one night when um, in worship here, and so you know the the hosting piece. Mm. I want you to just talk about that a little bit because even even at the beginning there, um, God invited Adam really by breathing into him, but then what he breathed into Adam would then become through Adam a continual invitation for God come back come back. Adam not even realizing this because he wasn't, you know, um, traditionally trained in the Christness. You do realize Jesus was born a couple thousand years ago. The Christness, the spirit with which he was born with, that, that's God. So he never really was not. So hosting, I just want you to touch on that because I think even that speaks to why we come together, why we gather and do intimate, actual musical worship, why it's not just a hymn or song service, why it's far more than that. Yeah. um, So where that phrase, where that that, um, statement came from was uh, Michael Miller from upper room he's the he's the pastor there and um what he said was we were at a worship night i think at regent university or something like that and he just he walks up with such power and honestly i could have listened to him expound on that all night but he just really quickly just said this thing that um to realign us because there's kind of a concept where and and i can get to this but like there's kind of a concept that we think that worship is for our pleasure. You know, there, there can be a tendency to think like, oh, well, I like these songs. I like when Asia sings. I like, you know, this part of this song. Or I like this instrument. Or 
I like this level of volume, you know. I, um, that's, or not. Yeah. yeah, or not, right, yeah. It's amazing. It's like the same week that I hear, you know, two people say, oh, it's too loud. Like, I'll hear five people that say, like, oh, it was too quiet. And I'm like, all right, well, you got to figure something out because I, I cannot put, like, different levels of volume in these speakers, you know. Um, but anyways, there's a, there's a mindset that, that worship requires, and um, and it's not it's not a mindset to um, make you feel bad, but it's just a mindset of like it's it's like being like you know we talk about grace and it's like okay well of his fullness have we received right but and and grace can't be earned so if I were to put a million dollars in your bank account <laughs> right let's do it let's do it. I want to be able to give that. And so if I were to put a million dollars into your bank account and then told you, all right, here's, you, you know your PIN and you know how the ATM works. And then you said, oh, well, I'm not, I can't earn this. So I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to have it. And it's like, all right, Joker, you're supposed to actually like go to the ATM. You're, you're still not earning it just because you have to do something. So grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. <laughs> so it's <laughs> so it's important to understand that there are ways to God. There are the ways of our Father. And it's important to pick up on those ways, but it's not a binding thing. It's actually a, a way of discovery. We shouldn't resent or oppose or resist the grid of God. And, um, and so all that to say, with hosting, it's important to have the mindset that we come and begin always with the heart and the mindset and the focus of having God as, our, as the honored guest. It's not about my preference I'm telling you, uh, I won't go into it fully, but it's like, uh, you think, (laughs) like, these are the songs, these are not the only songs that I listen to, (laughs) but this is what we're cultivating, right? There's a mission that we're on, and and there's a way to handle that mission as a family. If I played every song that I learned, or that I played at home, or that I heard on the radio on the way here, y'all would be like, okay, I have never heard a song twice here. We would always be doing brand new songs. So it's, it has nothing to do with what I prefer. And it has nothing to do with y'all pref- what y'all prefer. <laughs> so welcome. We're all in this together. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and it's a joy. It's, it's amazing to actually see what, what God does when, when you surrender to him. You're actually open to being transformed rather than conformed. Um, But anyway, so part of his way is that you host him first. You host him first. This is not about you. Kingdom worship is always about God and always to God. It's so important to get it. And I think it comes in in subtle ways of, of what we prefer, what we think, even what we think the move of the spirit is. Or when the move of the Spirit happens. And 
Are we willing to jump in when we feel nothing? Yeah. Because <laughs> guess what? He's still worthy. He is still the same glorious deliverer, provider, a very present help in a time of need. I don't know if that that hit y'all enough. A very present help in a time of need. Does anybody have any needs (laughs) right now? Would you like God to be the provider, Jehovah Jireh, to be present with you in that? Imagine what could happen. And, and to host him. And, um, and so Michael Miller says, begin with making the fo- focus God as the honored guest. And then I added the, allow your, the tipping point of faith in the room. When, when the tipping point of faith happens in the room, the honored guest becomes the host. (laughs) So when the tipping point of faith in the room switches to where we are more in line with who he is rather than what it looks like, what's going on, it's important to allow God to be the host. So you can come in here with songs. You can come in here with a set list. <laughs> and sometimes you just need to stir yourself up until you're so surrendered that you can allow him to host. And Thanksgiving is a huge part of that. Um, I believe that Thanksgiving is what takes you from the natural to the spiritual. Um, I think Katie has that verse, that, that's the scriptures, Romans 12, 1 and 2. <laughs> yeah, the, the worship team should know this uh, in like 10 different translations. Um, but I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Who does it take to, to worship? <laughs> it takes God to worship God. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. And Pastor Barry taught me that that word means flesh. Or, in other words, your will. So present your will as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now that word service, 13 times is translated. You want to take a wild guess? Worship. (laughs) So you presenting your body, your will, your flesh as a living sacrifice. So you saying, okay, this is what's up with me, God. But I want to surrender to you and offer myself as a sacrifice. That takes you from a natural, this is what's going on, this is what I need, to this is who God is. And therefore, this is who God is willing to be for me. But what does it take? It takes us presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. And I mean, it's a, it's a whole thing, but like there's, there's several words for like praise and worship. And one of the Hebrew words is toda, 
I taught about it on the Sunday that I taught, and, and it means and it means a sacrifice of praise, but essentially that sacrifice of praise is to is to be willing to be thankful in everything. And if you look at the so verse two verse two Romans twelve two and do not be conformed to this world and be transformed. I always put a ye in there because I I grew up reading that in a different translation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Isn't it interesting that this comes right after a verse about worship? (laughs) So worship actually... As we give thanks, as we choose to think like God, we are actually wooed into his transformation. So it becomes less and less about the song that you're singing (laughs) and more and more about the God that you're singing with. Because guess what? He's singing too. (laughs) He sings and dances and delights over you. (laughs) I'm telling you, the culture of heaven, the lifestyle of the Trinity is worship. So this is not something that he's unaccustomed to. I think it's Genesis 1, I don't know, 37 or something like that, where it says, and God blessed them. That word bless is in the Bible 330 times. And you want to, <laughs> that word also means worship. Uh oh. Power to prosper. Yes. That's what bless means. Yes. That word so is worship barak. empowers you to prosper. Yeah. Yeah. It empowers us to not just be conformed. This is not behavior modification. This is actually getting to know a God that can change everything. So it's the willingness to engage God. And so that's why I say kingdom worship is always about God and to God. But when we make it about God and to God... He makes it work for our betterment. We're the ones that actually come out blessed, the most blessed. You can say bless God, but guess what? He's good. (laughs) He is sitting on his throne with fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. He is not insecure. He didn't just be like, oh, there's not enough singers in the choir. Let me create some humans. No. It's just the heart of a father. Can we go a couple places? Sure. Because you've you've shot some loaded stuff out there. (laughs) Um, I want to backtrack to the, just a little bit, to the... um, 
the hosting and the um, because when you were speaking of that, I literally thought about this scripture that death is swallowed up in life. Literally swallowed up in life. Swallowed up in victory. In God. And so worship is, um, it's literally a divine setup. But it's not a divine setup in a music service. Right. It's a divine setup long before the music service. So even Romans 12, 2, present yourselves a living um, sacrifice, uh, a living sacrifice. You know, sacrifices get on the altar and, and give in. You know, sometimes we don't like things like that because um, in the Western world, we, we don't like the thought, we don't know that much about covenant. But in, in Eastern cultures, they, they cut covenant. You know, God used a form of understanding for relation, how to describe his relationship with man based on the things that had been manifesting in the human race, the covenant, that they would cut covenant. And when they cut covenant, their life became owned by the person they cut covenant with and vice versa. And so this covenant between Father God and Jesus, this father-son principle of their lives belonging to one another and, and the worship aspect, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, not being conformed but being transformed. You know, if, if we want to give to hosting God, you know, starting by hosting him on a Sunday morning. Okay, you guys love me? I'm, I'm going to shoot it out here at all of us. We need to be hosting him in the moments of each day. Yeah. Living with God in the spirit of each day, not just the spirit of the Sunday morning praise and worship service. Because that, if we're not, no condemnation, but if we're not, then we need to grow and mature in, in what it is to not only think about our own preferences, you know, I think some of my growth in faith with God is to get past thinking constantly, yes, I have covenantal rights. There are promises in Scripture that belong to me because I'm a child of the Most High God. Um, but at the same time, I can get so caught up with trying to do the word right in order to get those promises met and forget that he's a father who's far more willing to bless me mm-hmm. than I can realize. Yeah. So if I will, you know, become... And this is where I want to go to the other place with the hosting. Um, you spoke of God on his throne. What is his throne? God is not a human mm-hmm. sitting on some sort of a beautiful chair in an unseen world at some geographic location. Right. You know, we, we, the Bible paints pictures, but the pictures are painted to give us something to hold on to you know, to get pictures. But then we have to, with God, live in the spirit of the day, in the spirit of those pictures. And so if we can understand that when we give ourselves a living sacrifice, we become the throne. See, it's wonderful that God is in the heavenly realm, but he doesn't want to be unseen in the heavenly realm. He wants to be plain, in plain view, in sight, his goodness, his love, his wealth, his long-suffering, his... um, unconditional love and acceptance towards mankind. He wants to be manifested. That He wants that to be seen here. Not in a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday night so meeting only. This is where we learn about it, where we put our hearts and our lives together. So I think even that, that hosting aspect and the, the, the enthronement, when we begin to practice daily that, okay, worship, some of our service, it's an act of worship. You know, Jesus probably would have been, you know, flabbergasted if um, he heard some of 
I'll just say me, how I talk sometimes about my preferences or whatever. And he's thinking, okay, my worship wasn't sung in an air-conditioned building right. on a Sunday morning with, you know, all my friends. You know, my worship manifested when they spit on me, when they called me a, mm-hmm. you know, carnivorous fool, when they, you know, like I'm saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're saying, what are you talking about? Because some of those people, they didn't know how to follow him. They didn't know how to embrace him. You see, because the things, the truths of God, and even the truths of worship, they're not embraced by natural thinking. Mm-hmm. Is this heavy? In, I mean, I, I'm just capitalizing on like some it. of what you <laughs> said because I think those, that's what we're looking at as we explore um, the life of a worshiper, the heart. We want to all look at our hearts. We want to be transparent together. You know, um, I said last week I had waited a long time to teach this, to say yes to doing this. But, you know, part of it was, you know, okay, getting transparent with it in public. And then part of it was, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to be so honest. Okay. Um, What's this going to require of me? Hmm. Because I have to grow as well. And so if I unlock this, it can almost feel like a Pandora's box. Hmm. Because I've got to look at my heart, too. If we're really going to walk in agreement with one another and with God in what do you want us to know? What are you, what are you saying to our household here at Living Faith? You see, these are truths that span the whole globe, all of mankind. Um, doesn't matter the denomination or the religion. God has a heartbeat, his picture. And that will lead me into the next thing I'm going to throw at you. Um, but he has a picture of... Can I say something about that thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can interrupt me. Okay, great. That, I mean, I'm just like sitting here catching it. It's great. Um, but I was... So I've been on worship teams since I was a little kid. So like longer than you think I've been on worship teams, I've been on worship teams. And I still wear... I, actually, I didn't wear a backwards hat back then. But now <laughs> now I wear a backwards hat. It's how I mature. But anyways, like the the way I was uh, raised was this this ground. We were we were told this is not a platform. This is not a stage. It's an altar. And so there. And here's the thing that that fire falls on sacrifice. So if you're wanting to be trans, <laughs> right? Not preference. So if you're wanting to be transformed, guess what you need. The fire of God. <laughs> and guess what the fire of God burns up? Anything that isn't fire. <laughs> so if you're not burning for him in something, <laughs> guess what the fire of God will confront in you? Anything that is not burning in you for God. So anyways, this... Just to, even from the worship team, whatever standpoint, or even people thinking of a worship team, I, ne- I never think, I don't, you can check me, I've never called this a platform. Never. Because it's not. <laughs> sure, we lead, but the way we lead is by being altars, by being living sacrifices, by the way that we live. I mean, you can ask the team how much I, time I actually spend on music. <laughs> we, 
we talk about a life of worship because that life of worship is actually the power that you experience. If you're experiencing power on these Sundays and these Wednesdays or whenever else, the, the, the ladies' nights and you know all these different um, experiences that we minister in worship, the, the power isn't in... Sure, we want to be excellent and have a skill set that can express what's happening in our hearts, but the power is the life that we've built with God. Right? So um, it's all an altar. And so when I, when I get up here, um, the mindset, and even for y'all's mindset, to, to think of it that way as well, is that we're just coming up here to sacrifice. We're not coming up here to be seen. We're not coming up here to be heard. Um, <laughs> I, I'm hesitant to say it because I think some of my spiritual fathers that might have been involved in this. Uh, but like, I mean, I played for years, muted. And I didn't think I was bad, <laughs> you know, but or maybe I was, you know, it's like when you're, you don't know when you're bad. Um, so, yeah, but I played for years, just muted. And I was frustrated, but it was my sacrifice because it wasn't about whether I was heard. It wasn't about whether I was good. It wasn't about whether I was seen. It was about whether I was saying yes to him. And actually, it became such a blessing. I'm actually very thankful, as frustrated as I I was for that. I'm so thankful. Because it actually eventually relieved me of the pressure of feeling like I needed to perform. I could mess up. I could play in the wrong key. All service. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. I was the only person. I literally, that, 16 years ago, I was playing that very keyboard. Not the same one. Not that taped up and stuff. But like the same model, right? And I was playing that keyboard 16 years ago. And, and the team members know this well. There is a red button on that keyboard that even if you do not do anything else and you play one key, it'll just go... You know how many times I set that thing off and I was alarmed and yet nobody else knew? That's how muted. It wasn't like, oh, he's just low. No, no, no. Nobody could hear me. (laughs) Years. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, every Wednesday night. Years. And I was mad. (laughs) But you got to just, even if you're mad, Keep an open heart to God. He can handle your mad. And you present yourself as a living sacrifice. And you get transformed. And maybe, I don't know if I was bad, but now I don't think I'm bad anymore. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Right. I'm not not muted and like. Nobody's muted. Now I I don't have a button on that one to just make random beatbox go off. So. but yeah, it, it, it was my sacrifice that actually transformed me to not correlate how I'm playing 
to how he, the pleasure of God. And so I was able to sense his presence and focus on his presence and focus on what he was doing rather than you might see me sometimes even when I'm leading. Like, I'm just watching y'all. I'm, I'm watching y'all because I'm taking joy in the move of God. Because I don't do that for me. <laughs> like, if I did that for me, I would have just stayed home. Like, I could have saved gas money. I could have, you know, I could have slept in. I didn't have to put on my hat, you know, like all this stuff. I could, I could have just done whatever I wanted. But instead, there's this, uh, the sacrifice of being part of a body and knowing what God has called you to and allowing yourself to be open-hearted in the midst of it that actually transforms you. And that's how you allow, that's how I've allowed heaven to come into my life, right? On earth as it is in heaven, in Alex as it is in God. Um, so anyways, that's kind of just like a funny altar story um, that that's really changed my life as humorous as it might be. But I think that um, for all of us even to look at, I mean, that's, that's extreme. We're not as worshipers in, a, um, in our lives it's not like somebody's that. Well, actually, the devil does try and mute you out there. In life. <laughs> right. Yes. And um, and we can get frustrated. Like, okay, what is this all about? But I think some of what Alex was sharing there was part of his walk in in learning his own worshiper heart and continuing to learn his worship heart um, had some extreme happenings. I think here and so, and in this house, and in the body of Christ right now in the earth. God is adjusting some things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for us to accept the lessons, accept the training, accept the correction. Because I think that, um, I don't think any of us have, like, meant to be belligerent or to be immature or whatever in our preferences. But sometimes we can get just focused in wrong directions. Focused, Mm -hmm. and then God begins to teach us, what we're really talking about here. Because again, we vacillate, even in this discussion, we'll vacillate between our lives as worship and the actual musical expression of worship. But they're not really two separate things. Because though the musicians, singers, take this altar and, and minister, don't we all minister before the Lord with our hearts? They just happen to be the ones leading. Just like, you know, I run so, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor here. I'm, it's not about me. It's about simply being accountable to be a guide of sorts. So they're accountable to be guides, but not so that the attention is on them, but so that God gets from each heart what is due him. And so I think even as, as we're discussing and as we're, you know, sharing our hearts here, if nothing else, if you get nothing else tonight, let us really, you know, like Paul said in Romans, I beseech you, brethren. <laughs> you know, he, his heart, his apostolic heart as a father figure in the embodiment of Christ was saying, I am begging you hmm. to grasp what God wants to say to your hearts. To grasp that God simply wants to 
fill you, overflow you, bless you, mature you, so that your life will become proof positive of who he is. Yeah. You see, this is, this is why we should grow in worship. This is why some of our immaturity as churchgoers has to, to, God has to do it. We can't mature ourselves. But we have to admit, have we been preferential? Have we liked certain things and not liked other others? Have we gotten frustrated, tired, um, thought, I just don't dig this anymore. I'm, I don't get in. You know, like, please, I can do without this. But all of those things, and I think I spoke a little bit last week about distractions, all of those things are really us. But then the enemy sees our falterings or our frailties and then capitalizes on them to make it um, not really go the directions God would have it. See, all God really wants to do is mature us Okay, it's really seriously this simple. In being open-hearted. Yeah. That's all. Because when a human's heart is open, they're unafraid and they're unashamed, even if they're doing the wrong thing. People who are unafraid and unashamed, and they're just open-hearted, but they're being filled by things that aren't even God, they'll do all... I, I did all kinds of things when I was off in the world, you know, intoxicated, whatever. I wasn't embarrassed. I overflowed with the spirit I was full of. And I was saved. I mean, I will not argue with anybody, but I believe once saved, always saved. That's it. I mean, God saves. God does not renege. He is the only individual that is totally contractual. He put it in place before the earth was even formed. So I think it's important, you know, individually, like you may not say to anybody what you're learning in here. I might tell you a lot of things, but maybe there'll be some things in my growth as a worshiper that I'm, it's just between me and Jesus. Because honestly, it is time. It, it is past time for the body of Christ to grow up. That God is God. Yes, he's my daddy. He's my father. Jesus is my savior, my brother, my friend. But we're talking about God here. We're talking about God. If he pulled back his breath from all of us right now, this, everything would go up in smoke and you would see nothing left, not even dust. And so, but that is why he sustains, he's sustaining all of mankind right now. His breath is upholding all the planets, all the universes. He, he set light in motion and nothing has stopped. Every time they invent a more powerful telescope, they find the end of it and then there's more. This is the God that he says, just have your heart open to me. Let me breathe the beauty of that power and love through you. Hmm. Think about it. We, if we yield our intelligence to him, mankind, brilliant men and women, don't use more than about 14, 15% of their brain intelligence, their intellect. And look at what man has invented. And I mean, my goodness, guys, what not, and not just natural things that can be invented and created and all of that, but in the midst of all that release, 
the healings, the miracles, the resurrections. We cry for miracles and then say, I don't really like worship today. I'm, I'm just using that as an example, guys, because, and, and I'm not saying I've never done it. You know, I said last week we critique it, you know, like movie critics sometimes walk out of a cervix. Well, I didn't get out of that message. But actually we did. But then we opened the door and let the seed fall out. Say no condemnation. Okay, no seriously, we're learning. The only way to mature is to admit we need to grow. Right. Hello? You know, when you think you know it all, you don't realize you just said you know nothing. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I, still, I still remember that one day God asked me, what does it take for you to stop worshiping me? And another no condemnation moment, right? Like, it, w- it, was just a, it was just such a realization because it was like, all it took sometimes, and this is me, you know, being transparent, but sometimes, like, if I'm not leading, I can, I just read what would I do, you know what I'm saying? And, and how I sense the, the move of the Spirit. And so, it's good intentioned. But you're not worshiping. Right. But I'm not worshiping. So so there are times when I, I sense like, oh, missed it. Let's let me even and I'll go, oh, let me intercede for us to go back to where we <laughs> were so supposed to Right, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so there are things that I think are holy or, you know, right with God that I actually stop my worship to uh, to pick up some other responsibility and I, and I think it's a godly responsibility and yet I actually let go of my position as a worshiper my call to worship and so I, I, I don't know I don't mean that as a like a condemning thing at all I just mean that inspirationally in the sense of like we should search our hearts on like what what really does it take? Because this is the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. The creator who created everything and yet is closer than anything. Yeah, he is the breathe the the air we breathe. Yeah. I mean hello? He holds all things together. Yeah. And and, and so I don't know, that's that's something that I like. I check my heart with consistently. Um, and it'll look different for everybody, right? It might not be like worship leader stuff for you guys. I'm just relating to what, you know, my life is like. Um, but they're just, how, how easy is it for us to, you know, remove ourselves from, from that place? And the thing is, we become like the one we worship. We become like the one we behold. You know, I, uh, I'm an 80s baby, but I grew up in the 90s. And so if you see me trying hard, you've probably seen me playing keys. And when I get really into it, my tongue comes out. Guess who, right, guess who I worshipped? Michael Jordan, right. So <laughs> I didn't... My dad doesn't do that. I didn't do that as a kid. I, I started doing that when I started watching 
like, and now from University of North Carolina, six foot six, like it's watching this man play and, and wanting to be like him and having such an admiration for him that something in me changed to become like that, even though I never told myself, oh, I was going to put my tongue out. I just watched him so closely and admired what he did and how he handled his life and and what his God-given giftings and his talents that I became like him. And the thing about it is, even with our propensity, that's just a like a spiritual principle of transformation, of worship. So imagine how much that amplifies when it's the Father God. Our Father God. So you have his spiritual DNA. You have his spirit residing inside of you, wanting out. And so he's already saying that you're made in his image and likeness. So you, you're basically surrounded with the opportunity to per, be persuaded that you are like God. So anyways, there's just a lot of benefits to, to, to worshiping. That it's, it's not about the benefits, it's about him. But we, we always come out blessed. We yeah. always come out blessed because looking in his face makes us come face to face with grace. And when we look into his eyes of grace, our eyes start looking like his eyes. I think I said this at a so a couple years ago, but like mercy allows you to look him in the face. Grace makes your face look like his face. Grace transforms you to look like the one that you worship. So it's not about works. It's not about do you like, for example, if you want if you want to be more of a worshiper, is it like, oh, I want to learn how to sing, I want to learn how to play music. Like, if that's in your heart, sure, please explore it. But it's not about that. It's about who's on the throne of your heart and how much. Are you willing to dedicate your focus on him? Are you willing to sacrifice, live as a sacrifice towards him? And, and so it, ne- it doesn't become about being better. It's about dying so that he can bring you back to life. <laughs> he can give you a brand new life. And from there, there's no striving. There's no works. It's just who you are and whose you are. I want to go back to John 4 because um, you went to 24, Worship in Spirit and Truth, which um, is very powerful. But the that chapter going a little further back is... Crazy powerful in that um, there are a couple of things that happen as Jesus um, allows this woman, this Samaritan woman, to encounter him, and he encounters her. 
um, in verse 10, you know, he's, he's asking for a drink of water and she's flipped out because like, why are you asking me a Samaritan? And she's also, um, I mean, for me, the passage was always captivating because, um, she wasn't a church lady, you know, I mean, she didn't hang out at the synagogue. She hung out other places and, um, had a lot of fun and was living her best life. And then she met Jesus and, um, and he asked for water and she's like, why would you ask me that? And he says to her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, and I'll never forget one day when I read that, when I was just pondering that their encounter and then where Jesus goes with it. And, um, when I read it, I, I could only see it this way. If you knew the gift that is God. If you knew the gift that is God. You see, this is, this is why sacrifice, this is why yieldedness, willingness to mature is so powerful in our lives and in the spirit of worship in our lives is that do we really know the gift that is God? <laughs> do we really understand that giving our lives to Jesus was so small in comparison to the fact that God lives in us. The God of creation, the God who set things in motion that has, has never stopped yet. Do you know, one of the most powerful things is that when you go out tonight, if there's not too many clouds and you see stars, any night that you see stars, they're actually not even lit anymore. We see stars that, that were lit way back. They're actually not even lit anymore. It just took that long for the light to reach us, to be able to see it with the human eye. That God lives in you. <laughs> that God that can cause you to see light that was set in motion thousands of years ago, and you're just now seeing it. And it's not even lit anymore. It's already burned out. I mean, I can't comprehend that with my brain. I seriously can't. I mean, that, I believe it. That's scientifically proven. That's the God. So when Jesus looked at this woman and he was like, this, this is so not about who you are, that you're a Samaritan. This is not about my doctrine. This is not about if you knew the person you're speaking to that is coming to you to tell you if you knew the gift that is God. And then this, I love, I love, I love, I love. Verse 14. He says to her, whoever drinks the water that I give, whoever drinks... See, I think we love the idea of, um, I do. I'll say I, lo- I love I love, the goosebumps. I love, I love worshiping God. I love the music. I love letting my heart go. I love getting songs of the Lord. I love, um, one day my iPad went dead while I was doing the treadmill last week. And um, Neil was out doing his run on, I do treadmill, he goes in the real world. <laughs> and um, my iPad died and... I wasn't done with how long I wanted to exercise and up come the bubbles. It was so planned by God. And scriptures came and prayers came and songs filled with the scriptures I needed to hear that day rose in me and came barreling out of me. Whoever drinks, Jesus was letting her know, Whoever imbibes of the water that I bring, the communication that I bring, 
whoever absorbs. You see, there's a way that each one of us, there's a way that each one of you will learn, I believe, as, as we, uh, like, my heart is so captivated by him right now. Because he really wants to guide us out of um, behaviors and patterns that haven't been benefiting us. Yeah. It's not that they were bad or wrong or that we were even intentionally misguided. But it's time to, to go further in what really is happening when our hearts let go. And so Jesus is telling her, he's taken her further than you're a Samaritan and I could use a, a nasty term for the type of woman she was. You know, and he's sitting there and he's the Messiah, he's the Savior. But he's saying, I'm just sitting here as a worshiper, a lover of God. And he's talking to her because then he goes on to say, those who worship God, he's like, you worship in certain places right now. But worship is not geographic. Mm-hmm. Worship is not doctrinal. There are doctrines that address how we handle it. But worship itself is none of those things. Yeah. It's an open human heart in complete recognition that the God that lit the stars and created everything and fearfully and wonderfully created our human existence deserves the accolades, deserves our attention, our affection, our adoration, whatever that will look like. You see, we're not telling you how to worship, what to do, what to not do. It's just giving him your heart is so beneficial. Mm-hmm. It's so beneficial. You see, when Jesus was born, I mean, the peace on earth, goodwill to men. Mm. How does that come? Moment by moment. Living with God. So it, literally drinking from him is to imbibe, to absorb, to breathe in, take into myself. This aspect is transformative in its nature. Worship is transformative. When day by day I keep choosing to, to resist certain things in my own thinking or my own current patterns. You see, what I've learned up to now in the past 30 years, 31 years here at Living Faith, it's not wrong. It's just not all there is. Mm-hmm. Right. There's more. There's more to learn. There's more of me to be released. There's places I've backtracked. And even now, even the emotion that rose up in me now, God's touching that. Mm-hmm. He's touching that. Because there are some ways that I functioned with musical worship that I let go of. Not intentionally, right? That's why the distractions, it's so key. What, when God asked, I love that question that he said, what, what does it take for you not to worship me? Because, you know, we never, idols never say, I'm coming now and I want you to choose me and I'm right. an idol and you will make me a God. Right. It doesn't say that. It becomes a subtle distraction, a subtle pattern in my thinking, a subtle pattern in my behavior. Um, it might even come out of bitterness or resentment and I just begin to shut my heart down. And, um, and so I, I come and I do worship because I'm a leader here. I'm not saying I've totally shut my heart in worship, but I'm sharing with you it can happen. And the most important place that that kind of thing can happen is in your own privateness. You see, there was, mm. there was something that happened to me last week when all that happened. And, and I found myself, I went almost twice as long as I normally do because I got caught up 
It's time for us to let ourselves get caught up, not just in front of people in a musical worship service, but in our own hearts with God to be so caught up. I remember when Neil and I were first together and I I just couldn't think about anything but him. I I just couldn't. I couldn't focus at work. In fact, I... um, God, I can't believe it. I won't tell it all. I took a leave of absence. I was emotionally distressed because I had... um, well, anyways, it's irrelevant. I took a leave of absence because I just, I didn't want to be away from him and I couldn't focus on work. And they gave it to me. <laughs> I mean, I had favor and I wasn't even, I was, you know, in God, in Christed in ways I didn't even understand. I didn't even understand God was putting together a relationship that, because I, I, had, I had security in God that I had been taught by my denomination. I had my ticket to heaven in my back pocket. And I knew that grace is a beautiful thing. And I was presuming on grace. Knowing that I could bust hell wide open the way I lived and still end up in heaven. You guys can doctrinally want to you know, like disagree with me. That's fine. I'm, you, know, you know what you know and I know what I know. I'm throwing that out there because I think that's kind of what God is calling us, even Alex and I share in our hearts tonight. It's us sharing our hearts because if we know, if we knew, if we let ourselves know the gift that God is, Mm -hmm. worship will begin to define itself in supernatural ways. Mm -hmm. You know, when hearts release and really become the enthronement, of all that God has and all that he is. You don't, it's, I love prayer lines. But you don't have to have a prayer line. Mm-hmm. Things ha- just happen in the midst. Maybe you could say in the mist. <laughs> there are things that just happen. There are things that we might have been challenged by for years and tried so hard to get free from. But when we really yield and just let go and his fire comes. Not to scorch us and burn our eyebrows off and fry our, fry our brains so that we'll act like good Christians. But that our humanity no longer is where we're trying to live. Mm-hmm. I think there's just things, just things. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even a little bit earlier in that passage... Um, so first of all, there's, there's a progression in this relationship, right? This conversation between the Samaritan woman and, and Jesus. And first she's like, a man talking to me? And then she starts calling him sir. And then she goes, I perceive you are a prophet. So this guy goes from stranger danger to... to <laughs> Uh, sir, like, okay, I should respect you, and then prophet. And, and so then she starts talking church stuff, right? Well, you say we should worship on this mountain, or uh, your people say you should worship on this mountain. Our people say we should worship on, on this place. What do you say? And she's looking for, give me the new grid. You have... You know something that I don't know, so let me follow your way. 
And Jesus answers in such a transcendent way. Thank you, Katie. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. (laughs) We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So the conversation was about here or there, here or there. But what did, what did our message start with? Worship starts and ends in God. So we might have a grid of music or a certain way of following the Spirit or certain manifestations or what, I don't know, I don't know what, some people's grids are. But the hour is coming. And the now and now is. That we will just worship in God. And that is a very personal thing. And, I, and I, it was such an invitation in the midst of this whole like reconciliation and unity and you could you could go there and we would talk for another hour about it but like at least but I mean this whole thing happens at Jacob's well right I feel like we've got very learned people in this room so there, so it all happens at the beginning I think it's like four one where it talks about there at Jacob's well so. There's one other time in scripture where this well is mentioned. And it's Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, you know, name even means thief and all this stuff. He did all this horrible stuff. I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Esau. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm not supposed to be, but like he just seems like just a little passive. Like other than that, it seemed like a good guy. Um, but so Jacob has to run for his life. And, and he has to uh, eventually decides, I'm going to meet my brother. And so he sends gifts before him. And his brother actually comes running for him. And so now if you parallel that with this, and he says, but if you know the gift of God. So he's actually talking about like, oh, you think it might be about what you do here or what you can give here. But actually, there is a gift of God that he is so passionately pursuing you. That you are so in his righteousness that he has, he has taken care of it all. That you have the freedom to not have to be bound by this mountain or this mountain, or whatever you think worship might be or worship might have looked like 
in, in whatever denomination or whatever preconceived notion. And God is saying, you know what? I've taken care of it all. You don't have to play. You don't have to put all the on the camels and stuff. They put just a bunch of gifts. And his brother came running, saying, "I want you." And then, after that, to dedicate the moment, Jacob went and bought a plot of land that had this well. And then the next time we're hearing about this, Jesus is talking about the gift of God. Which is, which is Jesus. <laughs> that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so you're free to be the living sacrifice that you are. It's not about how you can play. It's not, a, it's not even about what you know. Are you just willing to be open-hearted with him? And we just become more like our father. His grace is just that good. So yeah, when we <laughs> when we make it about him and to him, That's right. That's right. We become like him. And goodness flows because he's a good God. So anyways, I I just think, I, I just wanted to be able to take some time to Soak our imaginations of what worship could be. And Pastor Kathy mentioned it, I think, last week or the, the week before, that this is a school. So isn't the service of word and worship. <laughs> it's the school. So it's so important that we come with the posture of being willing to learn and grow and be shaped. Everybody wants revelation, but we want our revelation to affirm what we already know. (laughs) But revelation is just the glorious realization that we were dead wrong. It's good news when God teaches us that we were dead wrong. (laughs) We get the opportunity to repent. We get the opportunity to turn to him and behold him and worship him and become like him. So, uh, I'm just going to pray. And I don't 
don't know, maybe worship, but like I, I think, I don't know if you wanted to say anything or if. Um, whatever, whatever you feel to do, but I, I, I want to emphasize something in the, what Jesus, when he said, whoever drinks will never thirst again. Um, there's such a power, everything that we're learning here and so regarding worship, there's such a power to drinking of the spirit, to personally imbibing, absorbing, taking in. I don't know what anyone got tonight. Um, You may not know with your understanding, but I encourage you, when Jesus said to her, those who drink will never thirst again, that word never is aion, and it's a word, it is a long period of time, but the focus in that word is not the length or duration time-wise, but the characteristics of that period of time. And I think as we enter into letting our hearts go and growing in worship, if we can understand that it's really not a time frame of how long will we study this, how long do we do worship, how, what it, how long does my worship at home have to be. It's not really about a time. To, to never thirst again is really just yielding minute to minute to those moments where he calls out to your heart, look toward me, you know, lean into this truth that I'm trying to teach you or, or a verse. It can be anything. There, I don't want to give a lot of examples. Just whatever you feel when you feel him, lean in because the, he's building into your life characteristics mm. that will ensure that you will never thirst. Mm. You will never become so thirsty that you feel separate from him. But sometimes we do feel separate because we don't drink. You know, we think, well, if I don't have enough time to drink, you know, if I don't have enough time <laughs> to, to play a set from YouTube or um, pull up the worship moments that are on the Internet from Living Faith or I don't have time to read a whole chapter in the Bible. Instead of thinking about things, just literally let your life, your heart, your mind become an altar where God can say, I can do so much with 30 seconds, Kathy. Yeah. I can do so much with a dead iPad, Kathy. Hmm. So whatever you feel to do, because I, I, you know, I can't answer to you guys. I feel like way peaceful. Like God is touching some things, I think, just in the spirit of worship in our lives together. You know, that we're, we're in agreement here on Wednesday nights. We put our lives together and... You know, some of us, some of you I know intimately, some of you I'm just becoming acquainted with, but there's something quite powerful happening among us that is is an altar being built as we come together every week and just say, we're going somewhere. We, we don't know exactly what it is. It's very Abrahamic. You know, like, you know, where are you sending me, Lord? Just pack up yeah. and start walking. Yeah. You know, you may not know exactly well, what's, what's going to be the end of this? Will I really want to go on this walk with you? Just come. Nobody's forcing anybody anywhere in this. Right. We wanted to share our hearts tonight because we've, we've got some things that are in our heart that we don't know here mm-hmm. what they look like. And we know, you know, it's not just Alex's team or, you know, me or Pastor Gavin or the other pastors, the other right. faculty of so. It's all of us together. Yeah. There's something happening that every one of us have a part to play in it. 
every every one of our and so there's no condemnation it's no like well how much you going to put in how much time you're going to put in and what are you going to do with what we teach when you go home that there's not those questions asking all that this is is we want to drink of him yeah. you may hear things to, you may have heard what we've said tonight totally different from how we think we presented it <laughs> that's okay it's yeah. not against the law it's not against the law for you to hear with your ears your soul and your heart You take it, go where what you think should happen now. I think this is always my question. Who wants to grow as a worshiper? Okay, anybody that wants to, let's stand together. You don't have to. Oh. God, I thank you for these hearts. And I thank you that you're worthy. That you're faithful. That you're true. And you're so near. So God, I thank you, Lord, for these altars. (laughs) And I ask for your fire to come. I ask for the all-consuming fire to come down and burn in us, God. Burn in each and every single one that's standing. And God, whether we know it, whether we feel it or sense it, God, I know that you're faithful to answer this because you're the one that is seeking worship like this. So I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. I thank you, Lord, for so and for living faith, for Pastor Kathy choosing to lead us through this journey of growing as worshipers. We thank you, Lord, for the treasures that you've concealed for us to discover, for us to search out, God. So I thank you, Lord, for just light switches turning on, for people just realizing who they are in God, the worshipers they, that they are, and for, for boundaries to, to, uh, to be trampled over, God. I thank you, Lord, for expanding our territory. I thank you, Lord, for songs of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, for a boldness and, and a courage to be willing to stand for you and to stand in you. And we thank you, Lord, that worship begins and ends with you. That worship is simply the glorious response to who you are and what you do. It's a response to who you are and what you do. So we choose to respond. We choose to not look for which mountains, but we choose to just be in God. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift that you are and the gift that you give. (laughs) I just thank you, Lord, for such a blessed people. 
for every single one of us standing. May the blessing and renewal and the transformation and heaven of God confront you in the most glorious way possible. So we thank you, God, for doing it. I thank you, Lord, for sweet sleep, for dreams and visions. And we just brush off anxiety, fears. We, we thank you, Lord, for just such a cleansing that you're doing in us. <laughs> and may we proclaim the praises of the one who brought us out of darkness and took us into a marvelous light, a light that is to be marveled at. In Jesus' name, amen.